Yeah, so the idea of Orange Pill Up is to build a social layer of Bitcoin that works anywhere and anytime is in your pocket. So that's how you meet people like you that are in Bitcoin. That's how we build the local communities, which should uh, speed up hyper-Bitcoinization. That's how we build the Bitcoin circular economy. Hello and welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. We're concerned about your freedom footprint and we would like to help you spread as much freedom dioxide as possible. I'm your host, Luke the Pseudo-Finn, and I'm here as always with Knut Svanholm. Good evening, Knut. Good evening, Luke. Nice to see you again. And, nice to uh, see you. Today we have a, a uh, very special guest. We, all, we only have very special guests, but this only. one is special. This is a very uh, handsome young man from Italy that now lives in California where he founded a company who's developing an app called the Orange Pill app. Um, and disclaimer here, I am a, an advisor for the Orange Pill app. So that's, that's how I got to know uh, Matteo. But I took an instant liking to the project because it's all about connecting Bitcoiners in real life so that we get out of our little man caves and, and meet up in real life instead of just being online all the time. So um, it's de also definitely not an ed a dating app. Uh, and uh, Matteo is here to tell us more about that. So welcome, Matteo. Hey, guys. Welcome, Matteo. Hi. Hi, Luke. Hi, Knut. Hi. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, I guess uh, just to start, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, the Orange Pill app? Sure. So I was born on a Tuesday, 9 a.m. in Prato. I'm um, studying from too far. Uh, yeah, I'm Italian, <laughs> but born and raised in Italy. And uh, I lived, uh, so I left Italy when I was very young, 21. Moved to London, seven years. Came back to Italy for, I don't know why, but I did. And then uh, moved to New York. And then moved to LA. They got a family, and now I live in the middle of nowhere in California. Um, by, uh, so that's kind of my story. I always been interested in uh, technology, and I had a couple of companies, a couple of startups. So that's about me. California doesn't count as middle of nowhere. That would be the middle of somewhere, I guess. Uh, no, but I mean the middle of nowhere inside California. Okay, so the middle of nowhere somewhere. That somewhere place. in the middle of somewhere, nowhere, nowhere, somewhere. somewhere anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, so so um, you started this. Uh, wh where did you get the, where and when did you get the idea for the Orange Pill app? And the, wh what made you decide to to actually follow up on that idea and make something out of it? Right. So it was. April, I think, maybe March 2022, and I was driving by what I used to live in Santa Monica, and I look around and I see all this building, all these houses, and I'm like, where are all the plebs? 
like what are all the big cars in Santa Monica? Because, you know, I didn't know anybody except my friends that I orange pulled myself. So I didn't know any other plebs from outside my circle. I'm like, there's got to be more plebs around here that I don't know. But how, how, how do I find these people? So that, that was the idea. And then a couple of weeks later, one of my friends called me and said, hey, I, you know, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you about a, an app that I'm building. I said, yeah, sure. So we meet and he tell me, he tells me, I'm building this app that is a dating app for active people. Like, you know, if you're a surfer, you know, you want to meet, uh, you want to date a surfer. So in the back of my mind, it's like, ah, dating, geolocation. I say, that's how you meet people nearby. And so, so that's, so that was the inception. Like, okay, this is, this is how I could meet other people nearby there in Bitcoin. Of course, then the next problem was to me, it was first of all, for a week, I guess it was dating up. Maybe two weeks, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm dating for Bitcoin. It's like, you know, why wouldn't you want to date a Bitcoiner? Because at that time, I was uh, I was dating, and I was like, and my girlfriend was not a Bitcoiner. So I had to spend a lot of time to convert her. And I'm like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if I met a Bitcoin, uh, um, a woman that is already in Bitcoin, right? Uh, but then obviously the big problem was that I quickly realized that women in Bitcoin are more finite than Bitcoin itself. And so, so yeah, maybe this is not going to work uh, as, a, as a dating app, but it could work as a networking slash friendship slash dating. So all together. So the goal was, the goal is how to meet people in Bitcoin nearby, no matter the reasons. Just how do you meet them? And then if you want to go on a date, if it's a date, great. If it's, if you want to meet, if you want to make friends, great. If you want to start a business, like a Bitcoin business, and you need to look for a co-founder or a developer, a designer, whatever it may be. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's the inception story. Yeah, cool. And, uh, how, how did you find it? Because you're not a developer yourself, right? Uh, I can barely send an email. I barely send an email. So, so how did you find uh, people to build build the actual thing for you? Uh, right. Was it was it the guy that that showed you the thing in the first place? It's a it's a good story. So, um, actually, he was a co-founder for two weeks. However, the problem was that he's not in Bitcoin. So every single meeting we had, so he he's a he's a technical person. And he, he already built apps before, very similar to dating, networking. I said, oh, man, great. Let's do this together. And we're friends. I know you can build this. And I know I can reach Bitcoin, you know, because I spent all the time talking about Bitcoin and et cetera, et cetera. But because he was not a Bitcoiner, every single meeting, he was kind of like confused on why Bitcoiners would need an app to meet Bitcoiners. And I kept telling him, Look, this is not like I play tennis and you play tennis, but then we disagree on everything else. Bitcoin, you know, it's, it's, you could say it's, a, it's kind of a religion or it's a movement, whatever you want to call it. It's a set of ideas. So if I know you're in Bitcoin, I can safely assume a lot of things about you. Like, what are your views about freedom? What are your views about the government? And what are your views about life values, right? And so, so because it wouldn't, it wouldn't get it, 
two weeks later after the after we got started, like, look, man, this is not gonna work. But thankfully, I had worked with developers before in my previous life. I built apps with other developers, and I found uh, after I found a lot of bad ones. I found really good developers in Italy, which is not the place where you expect to find developers. Actually, not, not just in Italy. One of the developers is from my hometown, which is amazing. Uh, I come from a 20,000 people town in Italy, close to Florence. And uh, I've, I've hired developers from Canada to Slovenia to obviously Bangladesh, the United Kingdom, pretty much all over the place. And most of them I had to fire. Some of them I had to sue. It's not easy. And then I found these two guys in Florence. One is from my hometown. And they were, like, amazing. And I was kind of desperate, like, you know, whatever. I, at least you're close to me. And then, yeah, so, so I built apps before with these two guys. Super, very, very talented. And then so when this co-founder, you know, we found out that it was not a good idea to get this together. I called them up, say, hey guys, let's do this together, you know, pitch the idea. And I knew, because uh, I, I worked with them for like a decade, so I knew they could build it. And so, yeah, so I had the developers before. Otherwise, it's very hard to find good developers. All right. And um, what's a bit more about your background? What, what, what's your education? What's your, uh, what's your background? Sure. So um, I have, my interest has always been, uh, since I was very young, there's always been business, economics, how to make money. That's always been my, like, you know, the story that everybody tells me in my family is that when I was five years old, I would go into my grandmother garden and I would pick the strawberries. And then I would go to my grandmother and I would sell them and I would sell her her own strawberries. That, that sounds like shit coining. <laughs> yeah, it was a yield farming business. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so uh, since, I was, since I was little, everybody was kind of making fun of me. Like they would give me like the Financial Times uh, when I was six. Uh, read the Financial Times. Tell us about this. You know, there was, I was always been the kind of the kid that's. You know, and so high school, I didn't really like what I was studying. But there was one class in high school that was economics, and I loved it. So because I was really into that, you know, I was reading the books and, you know, I was reading more than I should supposed to be. And so after high school, I passed with the lowest possible grade. The dean told me, look, we're going to pass you because we don't want to see you again. And I was little, I was a little rebel. So I, I, I graduated from high school and then I studied economics in the uh, University of Florence and I loved it. I loved it. I loved it, you know, and uh, so I got a degree in uh, 2006. And at that same time, I also started my first real business that was uh, selling clothing online, eBay. Actually, I, I think I was probably one of the first Alibaba customer in Europe, most likely. So we were importing clothes from um, Indonesia, get into Italy and sell them online on eBay. It was a great business. I was 19. I was making more than my mother and my father combined. I was studying economics. You know, it was a great time. 
But then I went to London one weekend and I fall in love with London. And, and in my head, I was like, okay, when you finish, when you get your degree, you got to move to London. And, and so this is what happened. So I had this business with the, one of my friends. I got a degree at 21, 22, and it's like, oh, you're going to go to London now. So I had a business and a degree, but my brain was like, forget about this. Just go to London. So after I moved to London, I obviously stay in touch with my friend, business partner. And uh, we, we found out that if you ship the clothing from Indonesia to the UK and then from the UK to Italy, somehow you don't pay custom fees. And so my partner said, look, man, I'm going to ship all the boxes to you in London and then you change the label and send me to Italy. I said, yeah, why not? Sure. Good idea. And so I would get boxes almost every day to this place that I was living in London and I would ship to him to Italy because obviously that, this is before Brexit, right? So you could just, there was free flow of uh, goods in Europe. And then while I was doing that, I found out there was this company in the UK that basically had contrast with the, with the courier services like UPS, DHL, you know, and they were reselling online, obviously for a profit. Oh, that's, and I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, this is such a good business idea, right? Because you don't have to just make a website and then people will come to the website, book the shipment, pay you, and then you kind of resell to the courier and they do the, all the, they do the transportation. So the more I thought about it, the more I think, I have to try this. I have to do this. So, so after Christmas 2008, I started this business, which uh, was my most successful business. Huge uh, success. I was the first in Italy. And at some point, I became the biggest customer of, in, in all of Italy of a courier service, which now doesn't exist anymore. But if you're from Europe, you probably remember it's TNT. They used to have like uh, orange, oh, by the way, they have orange, uh, the logo was orange. And so I became, quite, you know, it was, it was a big business and, you know, um, and then I started attracting competition, many, many competitors. And then at some point, this is crazy uh, when I think about it, but then three years, four years down the line, TNT, which was a multi-billion dollar company, call me and say, we need to meet you. We need to talk to you. Okay, sure. So I fly to Italy. Okay, sure. So I get to the meeting and basically they told me, look, uh, you're too successful. So we're going to copy your business. I'm like, really? And they were my biggest supplier. I had, at that point I had more, I had more suppliers. So I was diversifying my suppliers, but there were maybe 70, 80% of my business went through them and they told me pretty much overnight we're gonna be we're gonna go from being suppliers to being competitors whoa which and was quite uh, shocking so i went back to london and i was like you know this is not gonna end up well so i found a buyer for the company i found the buyer for the company and i sold the company so 2013 i moved back to italy I moved to Milan because I wanted to start Uber in Milan. But Uber was not in Milan. Well, actually, I don't think it was in Europe at all. Right? 
So I wanted to start a taxi, com- a taxi app in Italy uh, because I was using a taxi app in London, right? So I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, who wants to be on the phone and wait for the taxi? Move back to Milan and say, okay, let's start. Let's bring this model Twitter, right? Which was not a good idea. Which was not a good idea because uh, in Italy, the taxi unions are very, very strong, unlike in London. And, um, and also, I'd, uh, I made uh, my... See, this is, this is the thing that I learned later in life, that you learn more than... You learn more from failure than success. Absolutely. Which is why it's so... Which is why it's so sad that the uh, uh, the government is so eager to remove that from right. from people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the responsibility. Sure. Yeah. So because I had this successful company, the shipping company. Um, yeah. And you see, you know, again, success is not a great teacher, especially because I didn't have any failure at that point. My my clothing business was was great. And my ship, as so I had to be at that point, the clothing one, which I thought my business partner was great, and the shipping business, which was a huge business, and I thought it was great. Right? So in my head, I was like, yes, I'm like uh, Steve Jobs, right? I know everything about business. I cannot make, I cannot fail. So that was my mindset in the taxi app uh, when I was developed, when I was building the taxi app, right? And obviously, you know, that's, uh, that's not how it went. The app didn't work pretty much. And uh, I was, it's, yeah, the app didn't work. And then maybe two months later, Uber came to Italy with billions of dollars. But anyway, the app didn't work. So it's like, Jesus. So that's how I learned how, that's how I learned how app development is. Because, you know, so the app didn't work. I kind of fought the company. And then I, I moved to that. Uh, it's like, you know, what am I going to do in Italy? You know, I can't, you know, it's not from me. So I moved to New York. I moved to New York. And uh, at that point, obviously I'm skipping part, but at that point I already found the good developers in Florence. And I built another app. And the other app was uh, indoor food delivery service which basically I was at the stadium watching soccer or football and uh, in Florence, because at the time I was living in Italy and, I, and, I'm, and I'm looking at the guy, that, you know, they're shouting popcorn, Coke, drinks, right? And it's going around the stadium like a, like a madman shouting and shouting. And I was like, why don't we have an app where I can tell the guy, here's when I'm seated, bring me popcorn, whatever, you know? It's, at that, it's 2013 at that point, everybody has smartphones. And it's like, okay, you know, let's build this up. So I moved to New York in 2000 and, sorry, uh, 2014. And I ended up working with the biggest uh, Broadway agency, Schubert, which are great people. And they, and they use this app for uh, the intercession. So people go to the theater, overcrowded long lines and i'm like why don't you use this app so people can order in advance and then at intercession instead of doing the line they just go and pick up whatever they want already pays with the app right and so i work with them the, the technology work 
but the, the people didn't really like using the app. Um, so I, I sold the technology to Schubert and then I moved out of LA. So I moved out of New York because I didn't like the winter. I hated the winter in New York. So we, we drove with my ex-wife all the way to LA. And then that's 2016. And then 2016, 2022, I had no business, no apps. I was kind of like in a, a HS mode. I, was, I did some sales. And that's how we ended up in 2022 with the Orange Fill Up. What a fascinating story. <laughs> it's, story. It's, it's like a hero, hero's journey with ups and downs and everything and like reflecting on your life and then finding another path. A couple of things I, I uh, that come to mind when you tell your story. First of all, that the there's so much fiat and politics like influencing the chain of events. Like, for instance, that thing with shipping from Indonesia to the UK and then to Italy. Right. That, that loophole is only there because the borders were there in the first place and because they made, you know, because the tariffs were obviously too high if it was cheaper f for you to ship to England and then to Italy. Yeah. So, right. so, there's so there's so much in politics that, ha that has these unintended consequences. And they're, they're simply everywhere because people change their behavior to adapt to whatever system they find themselves in. And that's, that's why all of these shenanigans happen and why people are able to make money off of something that it, you're making money because you're making it easier for people to not have to deal with, with the bullshit that the politicians put in their way. <laughs> So, yeah, so yeah, it's sure. very weird in that way. And when you say you were, uh, another thing I thought about when, when you said you were so interested in economics and it was also your hobby, I guess what you learned in the university was main, mostly mainstream economics. Oh, yeah. So, zero, I, zero mention of Austrian economics. Whatsoever. Yeah, but I, I guess you're into, you fell into that rabbit hole too. I'm just uh, guessing now, but I guess you're into Austrian economics now. Being sure. interested in Bitcoin and and economics, uh, so so how did you find that and and uh, like wh what did that do to you and and uh, how you viewed the world uh, before and after? Like, is there a story there? Oh, there's a, yeah, there's a, I guess that's the story how I discovered Bitcoin and how I ignored Bitcoin, obviously, for a long time. Uh, because obviously I didn't, uh, my background didn't help me understand Bitcoin. Actually, my background prevented me from understanding Bitcoin because, you know, I was taught Keynesian economics, the government is in charge of supply and demand, blah, 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 blah. You know, inflation is good. As you guessed, I pretty sure nobody ever mentioned me. And this is, I, I studied economics in 2004, five and six. So this is before the iPhone, this is before, and I was in Italy, so the internet was there, but it wasn't exactly like you can, I don't know, Wikipedia maybe didn't exist, I don't remember. But anyway, I wasn't much on the internet anyway. So I had no, no knowledge of Austrian economics whatsoever. I didn't even know that the government could lie to you, to be honest. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, this is how it works. Okay. Sounds good to me. 
And so that was my that was my knowledge. And then in 2012, somebody, one of my friends, I was living in London. Yes, I was living in London. And I had a friend in, I still have, I have a friend in Switzerland. And he's a super smart guy, he's a nerd, and he's a quant analyst, right? And he tells me about Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, I remember very well, was five bucks. This is 2012, maybe even 2011, I don't remember. But I remember the price was $5. So obviously I tell the guy, oh, it's a scam. That's the first reaction that I had. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. Calm, you know, Everyone's first bother. reaction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. So I told the guys, this cam, don't, don't bother me with this stuff. You know, I completely rejected it. And that's a five thought. Then the year later, 2013, I was dating this American woman and she told me about Bitcoin again. And Bitcoin was, I think was $120. And I told the I told this uh, this woman say do not buy it, it's too late. And obviously I didn't do any research as you can imagine. Also 2013 there was not really much. I don't think maybe of course Antonovitz was there, but it was pretty uh, hard to to hold your own keys and and like to, to yeah it was pre the interfaces were pretty hard. You you basically had to run Bitcoin Core and understand it in order to yeah to, exactly. But I think it was for technical people, but for right. few others. I think in 2013 Coinbase already existed because she showed me Coinbase. I remember. Yeah, and but that's not your Bitcoin. <laughs> well, sure, but at that point. I didn't know anything, so you know, I did, but you know, it better. So I told her, "Do not buy Bitcoin. It's too late. You're gonna lose all your money." So I actively prevented her to buy Bitcoin. And then, <laughs> that, is that why she's not your your friend anymore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. And then, obviously, then there was a bear market that I didn't know, but nobody told me about Bitcoin for another two, three years. And then 2015, I created a Twitter account for the first time. And uh, I ended up following this guy that was that he was in all the conspiracy theories you can think of. You flat earth, let moon, everything you name it, he was into that. And he was into Bitcoin. And I'm like, here we go. Is this, is it, so now, now in my head, I'm thinking I was right to think it was a scam because this guy which is obviously a nutcase, is telling me every single day to buy Bitcoin. Who was that? I can't remember the name. <laughs> but no, but it's not a but no, it's not a famous Bitcoin. Turns out I, he was right about 80% and completely wrong about the other 20. It's not uh, correct. <laughs> it's not Citadin or no, no, or okay. Alcanopolis. It was just, you know, a random guy that I ended up following. I don't, remember, I don't even remember why. But it, so anyway, but he was telling every day, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. So one day I'm like, you know what? Let's just buy Bitcoin. So I downloaded Coinbase, made an account, I bought Bitcoin, uh, $20, $30, nothing, right? Just to make him happy, right? Whatever. Uh, just in case he was right. Let's put it that way. Then I deleted the app, forgot about it, whatever. And then summer of 2017, 
that's when I, that's when everything changed. Summer 2017, I was on Twitter because I, I was spending a lot of time on Twitter. And uh, I read Naval thread about Bitcoin. So Naval from Naval Ravikant, Angel List, right? And because of my background in technology and business, I knew about Naval. And I knew that, uh, you know, super rich guy, very successful, very, very smart guy. So I'm reading this thing, I'm reading this thread, and, and I'm like, something is not adding up here. Why is this guy promoting a scam? Because in my head, he's still a scam, right? And, and so this is like probably one in the morning, you know, because uh, this is a famous thread. You probably read it. And I'm like, next, tomorrow morning, when I wake up, I need to find out what's going on with Bitcoin. So from that day, that's, you can say that's when I entered the rabbit hole. Uh, summer 2017. So the next morning, I wake up and I go back to Coinbase, right? Because that's what I got my Bitcoin. I obviously don't know the password, get the password back, and I open it, and it's $160. And I'm like, how is this part? I bought $20, and this is $160. So this is like a 100% increase. So keep in mind that I have a background in economics, and I also invested in stocks when I was young, and I know nothing goes up 8x in a year, right? So, so this is all my, my brain telling me, you know, you were right. It is a scam. Because why, why does it go up so much, right? Nothing, nothing legit goes up this much. Uh, but again, because of Naval, I, Naval was like, kind of like the angel on, on my shoulder saying, no, look into this, look into this, look, don't worry about the price. Right? So that's how I fall down the rabbit hole. And then 2017, obviously, as we all know, you know, price goes up 20,000. And maybe at that point I bought one Bitcoin, I don't remember. But I, you know, I start buying. I'm not, I'm not all in by own by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm start buying, and then Bitcoin goes to twenty thousand. Uh, and I'm texting my friends, ah, check the price, you know, check the price. And then obviously January twenty eighteen crashes. Yep. So the genius, so the genius that I am, I, I figured out a way to lose a lot of money. So after Bitcoin crash, I mean, after Bitcoin start crashing, I obviously, because I'm, coin, I'm on Coinbase, I am exposed to the shit coins. Um, oh, wait. I've heard this story before, I guess, <laughs> from yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one. So I'm like, okay, Here's what's going on because also I, so I had two problems. One, I have a degree in economics. Two, I have a, a good knowledge about technology because I started technology companies. I, and that, that didn't help me at all because I thought that Bitcoin was old technology and then shit coins were new technology because I know that in technology, this is how it goes. The first technology is never yeah. the best one, right? This is this is fantastic because it's it puts the finger on so many misconceptions and yeah you know we all have so, our journey uh, yeah go on so here's what happens so I'm thinking okay you know I get it Bitcoin is is good Naval is great but Bitcoin is gonna be like my space and then the sh some shitcoin 
is going to be Facebook. Right? That's my thinking. And so I, I had this plan. And this is a true story. I would go, so this is January 2018. And I was living in LA by then. And I would go take my laptop, go to the library. There's a library, there's a university where I live. I go to the library every single morning, right? This is my, this is my strategy. Open a coin market cap. Check the first 100 shit coins, which obviously I don't call shit coins back then, right? And, and, and the strategy was if a shit coin has gone down 10% or more yesterday, I would buy it. Ouch. This is at the beginning <laughs> of the bear market, okay? Then, uh, wait, so I'm in, this, I'm in this library with the headset, these old kids around me studying, and I'm on Binance, buying shit coins. I'm listening to like crypto love and all these shitcoin YouTube accounts, right? And they're all Moneros, the next to Dash. So every day I'm buying a shitcoin that is in the top 100 that has been, that is, has, has gone down 10% or more the, ne- the day before. So you can, since we're at the beginning of the bear market, so you can imagine how many shitcoins I end up owning. Yeah, so, and they all they all just begun crashing if right, ten percent. Exactly. Yeah, then they lost ninety percent more. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, remember I have a degree in economics, so I think ten percent is a lot, right? Yeah. So I think wow, ten percent it's a great discount. So I've done so basically I had this uh, highly diversified shitcoin hedge fund that I was running. Two months in, I. I, my small brain figure out that maybe this is not a good idea. So I bought probably uh, probably 50, 60 shit coins all on Binance. I have a VPN because you can even use Binance in the US and I'm doing all this stuff. So I bought all the shit coins and then February, March, as price keep crashing down, I, I, I tell to myself, okay, look, Forget about Bitcoin and forget about shitcoins. Just forget about all of this. I'm still uh, confused at that point. Oh yeah, very confused, very very confused. But I, but you know, but there is still Nava in the back of my mind, right? Yeah. And so and so I, you know, I I, I closed this hedge fund, and then summer of 2018, Seifedin published the Bitcoin standard. Yep. And I'm like, okay, it's an economist, interesting, you know. I should read this book, right? Because he's an economist. So I trust it's because I have a degree in economics, I instinctively trust him that he would tell me what's going on. And so summer of 2018, I got this book, uh, thank God. And I read this book, and I was like, and this is and this was my introduction to Austrian economics, because this before then I had never heard of Austrian economics or Mises or you know. Uh, Roloth part, nothing at all. And and that was my, I guess, my re-entry to the rabbit hole without uh, already being burned by shitcoins. It's like, okay, I understand the shitcoins. It's, it's, and now I understand why there is a word shitcoin. And now Seyfedin is opening an, another door to the Bitcoin rabbit hole because Naval 
his original thread, it was more about, it's not, it was not just Bitcoin, it was also about crypto. It was about crypto in general, so which you know probably didn't help me. So I read this book, summer of 2018, and I remember, and I'm like, wow, this is not what I learned in this is not what I learned in university about economics at all. Uh, so in my head, there is battles going on while I'm reading this book. Like, is this guy right? You know, is this guy what it's saying is right or not? You know, so I, I'm debating with myself, but then. I clearly remember Christmas of 2018. I I would give Christmas card to my friends, and at that point, I'm working at a car dealership. I'm selling cars, right? One of the best job I ever had. Actually, I didn't have many jobs. The finest job I ever had. So anyway, so I'm about this car dealership. I'm selling cars, having a lot of fun, and then I would give I would give a Christmas card to my colleagues. And at the end of it, I would say, P.S., buy Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was maybe 3,000, 4,000, right? So, so that's, for me, in my head, it's like, okay, this is when I really started understanding Bitcoin because I was actually telling people to buy Bitcoin. And obviously, in 2018, people were like, what are you talking about? Bitcoin just crashed from 20,000 to 4,000, and you want me to buy Bitcoin? So I had a lot of pushback, but I convinced my mother to buy one Bitcoin. And other people say, look, just buy one. It's so cheap, 3000 4000 just buy one, right? So 2018, end of 2018 is when, you know, I'm, I'm not in Chicago anymore, obviously. I, I'm not a Maxi by, by any stretch of but I'm starting to get in it. And then 2018, 2019, I'm buying more and more. I'm reading more and more. Listen to podcasts. I'm going down the rabbit hole, like for real. Listen to all the podcasts, Brit Love, Livera, Safedin, you name it. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter 24 7. Like, even when I'm working, I'm on Twitter 24 7. I'm on Bitcoin Twitter 24 7. And then Michael Saylor shows up. August 2020. I remember the date August 12, 2020. I shows up and it's an obsessive, as you know, he says, I'm converting my entire balance sheet into Bitcoin. And at that point, I'm maybe like, I'm 95% in Bitcoin. Like I have no dollars left. I have little dollars. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost all in, right? And then I, I see this guy, it's like, wow, you know, CEO, public company, super smart guy, going all in in Bitcoin. I was like, if he's all in, I'm going to go all in too. So, and I remember, because I went back to look at the dates of my purchases. Um, at that point, I'm not buying on Coinbase anymore. I'm buying on River and Swan. And I look back, and you can see August 2012, sorry, 12 August 2020, my purchases just ramp up. I, I sold my house because I was getting divorced. I sold the house, so I had a little bit of cash. And, and I remember I was asking my friends, hey, I need to buy Bitcoin, but there's limits on these on this exchanges. Can I send you the money and you can buy Bitcoin for me and then send it to me, right? So I'm trying to buy as many Bitcoin as possible, as fast as possible, because right? I'm thinking 9,000, wow, it's going to go obviously to 100,000. So September of August, September of 2020 is when I became a Bitcoin Maxi. 
I don't want any dollars. Don't get every dollars that I could get. I would immediately convert to Bitcoin. I wouldn't. I, I didn't care about the price anymore. It's like I would tell people because because then I've learned from seller. You know, why would you owe dollars when you you know? At that point, when I learned from seller, it's like electricity. Like you know, Bitcoin is like electricity. Why would you have candles when you can have electricity? There's no need for candles. So take all the dollars, convert to Bitcoin, and have my friends buy Bitcoin for me, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, so that's, uh, that's how I guess uh, I became a Bitcoin max. That's my Bitcoin story. That's, you know. that's fa so fascinating. And there's so much. I, uh, I Thank you, first of all, for being so open with it and, sure. and telling people about your failures, too, because the, I blame your fiat economics education on a lot of this like sure you had a degree in keynesian economics basically so in, so in government economics in government economics and that prevented that in itself you know put together with some success in the fiat world you had success because of problems that were created by the fiat world and you right. solved them in the fiat world using the fiat system and and those things take taken together uh, made you not only not see Bitcoin for what it was, but it made you shitcoin, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, and absolutely. it made you think that investing in shitcoins when they had dropped 10% in value was a good idea. Your fiat education did that to you. Uh, so so yeah. this, this is so, this is so mind blowing how destructive telling people, you know, untruthful things really, really is. <laughs> because yeah. that's what it is. It's based on a lie. Keynesian economics is based on a lie. It's based on the lie that inflation is good for society and that we need right. it in order for, for money to have velocity at all, which is just not the case. And you can see that from deflationary assets that, that, that are sold more than ever. I mean, electronics still drop in price. Over time, I the price per gigabyte goes down over time, and you can still I keep sell. Keep telling everybody, like when people tell me, "Oh, but in a in a deflationary monetary yeah. system, like uh, commerce will stop existing," and I'm like, "Did you ever buy a computer? Did you ever yeah, buy exactly, computer? exactly?" And it's and so then, wicked. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then again, I think with many of these things, I try not to be a conspiracy theorist. Because I think the, the easy way out is always to just say that the the literal opposite of what you were told is the truth. So 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 that's why flat earth theories and and such yeah. uh, are so easy to <laughs> you, you know people cling on to the exact opposite when they realize they they haven't been told the whole truth. But I think it's more on the lines of convenience. So so if a narrative is good for a certain actor in, in the market in this case, the government, then that following that strategy and promoting that will win in the long run. So governments that clung on to, to Keynesian economics and promoted it could make a lot of money from doing so. Of course, it's good for a government if the people in the country believe that the more they pay them, the better off they'll be. Then they can loot the country uh, <laughs> of, of practically every, every resource that's in it. So so uh, yeah, but but this is such a fascinating example of why what what's 
wrong with the system and why it's so destructive to everything. Because in doing all this, you're obviously a talented entrepreneur that wants to come up with ideas that make life easier for people. And and you're confronted with all of these hurdles that are put up in front of you for no good reason whatsoever. And you try to remove the hurdles. Uh, but, but you're <laughs> injected with this f- uh, fiat education that tells you you should focus on completely arbitrary things and completely s- stupid things instead of seeing the the real technological advancement that is right in front of your eyes and where because as you said you 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 had your first look at bitcoin when it was at five dollars in in 2011 or 2012 so imagine you know and the same is true for me by the way Uh, i I guess i learned about it a little later and i hoped on a a little earlier but but in i if I'm totally honest to myself, it's more luck than than insight. Uh, a lot of it, and you know, I had a shitcoining face. I lost the the uh, uh, fantastic uh, sum of ten dollars in total on on shitcoins because I bought ten different. You did burn than me, trust. Yeah, uh, yeah, and eight of them went down, and two went up, and I figured uh, I'm never going to be able to guess which ones are going down and which ones are going up. So I better just stick to Bitcoin. So uh, <laughs> that's that. But but still, I think the, the harm that this uh, economics degree caused you is just unfathomable in, in hindsight, right? Because it was that that prevented you from seeing this. Had, imagine if instead, when you went to the university, uh, if the, instead of give, giving you Keynes books, they, they would have given you Mises and Rothbard and, and, and Hoppin and Hayek and so on. Imagine yeah. how much earlier you would have bought into Bitcoin. <laughs> I probably and, would have also sold it, but you know, you know it's, it's a story like knowing myself, uh, if I bought a five dollars, I most likely would have sold at fifteen dollars, you know, because uh, yeah. you know, it's hard to even have conviction that in the long run, but yeah, the. Yeah, the the the, gov- the the government. Obviously, you know, I went to in Italy. Schools are pretty much public. You know, like even, co- yeah, yeah. even university. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah you like tuition, all- but it's very low. Like you know, yeah, like everywhere. So why would the government teach yeah. you? Why would the government teach you uh, the the government shouldn't be in charge of the money? You know, no. Uh, so so they they are never incentivized to do so. Yeah, because they're. Because it's they're not your tutors; they're your kidnappers. <laughs> that's that's how how bad this is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but but it takes a lot to figure that out because the the and and that insight can be very depressing until. Uh, but but reading Austrian economics can make you very very happy and hopeful because you see that despite all of this looting that is going on everywhere. Uh, with central banks and governments, the free market still finds a way to make most people's lives bearable anyway. Like <laughs> we still yeah. have a, at least in the, you know, the developed world. But but anyway, that there's there's so much good out there <laughs> if you if yeah. you just uh, choose to see it. So it's a ba- yeah. it's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle. It is. Between- 
evil and good or right or wrong. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's always been the case for humans. You know, there's always a group of people that wants to take power over other group of people. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, but thinking, but talking about Austrian economics, something funny happened. Once I started reading Austrian economics, it was kind of like, this is so simple. Because getting a degree in cancer economics is it's more difficult because it's all convoluted. That's something that yeah. I never realized until I, I learned about Austrian economics. The cancer economics, it, it, it's a very convoluted system, inflation, debasement, mind supply, uh, deficit, all this kind of stuff that you have to learn about. And, 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 and not only learn about, you have to learn why they're right, which is very difficult because they're not. So it's kind of like, imagine if you were studying physics, physics and somebody wanted to convince you that gravity is the opposite of what it is. But then you go into the real world and you see gravity all the time but you have to come up with a formula that is so convoluted that it makes gravity go up instead of down. Like how hard would yeah, it be yeah. to learn that kind of gravity? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's pretty much what Kansen's economics is. Like they have to muddy the water so much with all this yeah. formula and all this concept that's so you know yeah. kind of difficult because they can't tell you the truth. That the government should be in charge of the money. The free market yeah. should, you know, that there should be a fixed amount of money. You don't need to expanding at the base money, as you said. So they're basically, I, yeah, they're basically telling you that gravity is pulling everything on the surface of the earth towards the sun because the sun is bigger much. than the earth. And if we didn't have the government here to save us, uh, yeah. governments are. Government anchors everything to the earth, and if they didn't exist, we couldn't exist. Yeah, so That's you have to learn the system. Yeah, which is you have to learn the system if you want to get a degree, which is mind blowing. And then, as I learned about Austrian economics, it's like, but this is so simple. I learned this. I, you know, I read uh, like um, economic lessons. What is the name? Um, uh, economics in one lesson. I don't see what else, right? Like this book, this pick. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so easy. Like this is, a, and also because I had, um, I had businesses. So I've seen people buying and selling. I have a first hand knowledge of economics in real life because I've sold uh, services and products and, and that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, but that makes, and I was like, this is, makes perfect sense. Like it does. It's like, like it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing how much you can be brainwashed pretty much by the government, and then you don't even know you're brainwashed, obviously, until somebody tell you, Hey, it's like the magician trick, right? Hey, this is the trick, and once you see it, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't answer. No, no, exactly. And the, like most people get past some of the hurdles, but but but. But they get stuck somewhere uh, very basic too. Like, like for instance, if if you and I are selling two products, and I am better than you at at making both the products, right? We we still benefit from me doing what I'm best at, and you doing what you're best right. at. Yeah. So the total output for both of us will be higher 
if I focus, uh, if I specialize and focus what I'm better at, yeah. even though I'm better at making both the products. Of course. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and and this this very basic thing is the the government doesn't want you to realize that. I I, I think because they think if they did, there wouldn't be you know. Uh, minimum wage laws, for instance, that wouldn't exist if people just accepted that it's we're both better off doing minimal wage and economic anyway. It's just it's yeah, minimal wage laws are yeah. In a, in, a, in a free market without interventionism and running on sound money, there's no unemployment. There can't be it, it, only only voluntary unemployment. Because there is always they're running on Sanma, they wouldn't be unemployed. Mm. No, they couldn't be. Because there's always someone willing to pay you for doing something <laughs> rather than nothing. Mm. Uh, it, it could so be insanely shit. I mean, the, 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 there's always <laughs> sure. it will balance itself out. And yeah. if, if there's unemployment, it's voluntary on the part uh, on the unemployed person's part. Like yeah. Somebody that bought Bitcoin at $5 probably is unemployed. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> no, it's, it's so, people have such a, a skewed picture of, of, of this thing. And yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the matrix. It's the matrix. Yeah. And, it's and the matrix. Know, it is. And uh, t that's why uh, orange pill, it's, it's such a good synonym. It comes from the matrix meme, of course. And the Matrix really, upon rewatching, you you realize how insanely good that movie is, and how how weird it is that that those people could never make a good movie again, <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, nothing they ever made after the Matrix is even close comes even close to how brilliant the Matrix is. You're talking about the directors or in general? Yeah, the the directors mainly are the oh, people yeah. who wrote the all the follow ups and the other movies they yeah. made are, are worthless in comparison, yeah. because the yeah, movie just really just, a yeah. classic. It's it's brilliant through and through. Yeah, the nineties is the best. I mean, I, I keep telling everybody. Obviously, I'm I'm a buyer because I was born in eighty four, so in the nineties I was a teenager. But I keep telling the nineties is the best decade we had in a long, long time. You know, we had yeah, the yeah. Movies, not a good movie. Uh, but I agree. I, 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 w I was born in the middle of the 70s, and I think like the early 90s and late 80s, that's yeah. peak peak movies and peak music and peak peak like everything. Peak culture. Yeah. yeah, peak culture. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Anyway, well, Luke, do you have any other questions? Yeah, Matteo, uh, your your orange pill story has a, a lot of commonalities to mine. Uh, you, you you found it earlier, but it was the same uh, the same people, uh, Sailor and uh, and uh, Seifedine, that uh, yeah. uh, really did it uh, for me. And I think the the two of them uh, are are powerful orange pillars for for people who have the uh, desire uh, to learn in the way that they they present it. So yeah, I appreciated hearing your story. Yeah, definitely. Seyfedin and Sailor, yeah. You know, there's something that I remember that I remember after I read the Bitcoin standard, obviously I follow Seyfedin on Twitter. And there's something that always like kind of like bothered me. Because he would say Bitcoin fixes everything. And I'm like, come on, man. I like your book. 
I understand <laughs> Bitcoin, but don't you're overselling it, right? Yeah. And then as I went down the rabbit hole, I found myself agreeing more and more and more yeah. and more with this statement, which was like, wow, you know. And then I went back to see Safer and said, maybe it's right about other stuff too, because you know, I I I did, you know, I, I was kind of like bothered, like, oh, Bitcoin fixes everything, Bitcoin fixes this and this and this. But yeah, then uh, it's funny how the more you went, the more you learn about Bitcoin and the problem is solvers, which is, you could say, is the biggest problem that we have in, in humanity. Yeah. If you really think about it, uh, fiat and all the second order and third order consequence and fourth and fifth and seventh, you know, it's a ripple through society that probably never ends. It's funny how, you know, it, you're kind of pulled to the Bitcoin maxi, if you want to call it that way, like, you know, Bitcoin only, Bitcoin fixes everything, which sounds ridiculous on its face, right? It sounds ridiculous on its face that, to say that something that uh, some code on a blockchain fixes everything. It's kind of ridiculous, right? Well, not if you understand the importance of money in society. Right. But you, yeah, but before you, yeah, exactly. But it takes a long time and a lot of starting to get to the place where, oh, money is at the base layer of pretty much everything. And so if money is corrupted, that means that society is corrupted. And so if you fix money, then you fix society. Yeah, and it's but it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to accept that. To 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 illustrate it, let's use that example the 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 famous Milton Friedman example of the simple pencil that couldn't have come into existence if it wasn't for free trade, and turns out it couldn't have come into existence if money hadn't existed either, because like the. <laughs> Every part of it, it, the wood that it's made of, the, the yellow paint on the outside, the little brass thing on the edge, on the top edge, and the rubber for the, the, for the rubber, uh, and the, uh, for the eraser on top, and the, the, the graphite uh, lead sort of uh, material in the, in the center of the pencil. The fact that it's hexagonal and that you can that it has been constructed in that way, the black paint for the little text that's on the side of it. None, none of those parts were, were decided by, or designed by a committee and, uh, and then produced by that same committee. Every, everyone, it, the, the, the things in the pencil probably came from different continents. And the only, the only reason why people produced all the materials and put it together, including the glue that holds it all together, was was because they were paid to do so at some some step in the chain. And if we if we were living in a barter economy where there was no money, we would we would never have come to even the saw to chop down the tree to 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 extract the wood to construct the pencil, <laughs> because yeah. constru to construct the saw you need someone to. To do, to uh, you know, dig up iron ore, melt, smelt it down, and turning it into steel, and someone to sharpen the edges, and then attaching it to a bow and everything. And we wouldn't even have gotten there if there wasn't uh, if a medium of exchange hadn't been used, because then we would never have gotten past the problems of divisibility and the double coincidence of needs. 
which makes it very unlikely that a saw would ever have come into existence. So without money, yeah. there would be uh, civilization can't get yeah. past the very basic set stages of advancement and technology. They they we would still be cavemen without without money. So yeah. so this is how important this thing is. Right. And when that's fucked in one way or another, you cripple society in so many ways because uh, and there are so many exponential effects that are left out that we never get to see because you don't let them uh, because we're not letting them happen since we allow some sociopaths to to uh, run a money printer and uh, and take stuff from us all the time so if you fix that yeah uh, and if you make it impossible for people to inflate the money supply you fix everything. It's absolutely 100% true. You can fix I, I, yeah. every problem by fixing the money. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, it, and it's if, incredible. If, yeah. And if you don't see that, you don't see it, as you say, if you're, if you're, you know, raised by fiat education and mainstream media and whatever, you, it's very hard to see that. But when you see it, you can't unsee it. When when you understand how important money is and how how much better we could be off if we had the perfect something akin to perfect money, that then yeah, that's there's no going back. So yeah, yeah. The way the way I tell some people is like, look, Bitcoin is like gravity in economics. Somebody. Invented, discover, whatever, gravity in economics. Now, you can ignore it, obviously, because we've been ignoring for, I guess, 1971 or whatever. But at some point, you have to deal with the fact that there is gravity in the world. So, yes, the price is completely relevant, obviously. The price, it's like, what is the price of gravity? That's a, there's no price of gravity. <laughs> right? There's no problem. It's just we have gravity in economics for the first time ever, I would, I would argue. And so we, Bitcoin, we're just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. You know? Yeah, it's it's like that Ayn, Ayn Rand quote, uh, you, you can choose to deny reality, right. but you can't choose to deny, but you can't choose to deny the effects of denying reality. Exactly. Uh, so you're yeah. you're going to have to cope sooner or later with this thing right. existing. You have it; it's there. Adapt. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's, yeah. It's uh, it's, uh, it's quite yeah. It's quite uh, mind blowing. I mean, it's uh, that's why that's why I started this company, uh, this this app because once you understand Bitcoin, you cannot do anything but think about Bitcoin. It's 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 life consuming. And so you want to meet some, and the problem is that most people don't have the time to go down the rabbit hole uh, or the, the curiosity or whatever it may be. No, they, they think they don't have the time to, but when right. in fact the opposite is true. They don't have the time to not <laughs> fall into the rabbit hole. Yeah. That's, that's the big misconception there too. Yeah, but you know, whatever the case may be, the point is that we're still early in Bitcoin. And so most people in your life are not going to be Bitcoin Maxi or 
Bitcoin, uh, whatever you want to call them. And how do you find more people like you? You know, how do you find because we want, we are humans and we all want to connect with people like us, whether it's politics or religion or sport or culture, you name it, right? That's that's what humans do. We coalesce around ideas. I think there was a study once, which is quite ridiculous. It's like they take a hundred strangers, they put in a room, and then they tell them, oh, you, have, you are odd numbers and you are even numbers, completely arbitrarily. And then people that, that they have assigned odd numbers, they will start making friends with other people that assign odd numbers. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is just the way humans are. It's just human we nature. Right? Tribal creatures. We are. We are we, yeah. No matter how silly it is, we want to be. Uh, yeah. Also, there is an opposite. There's an evolutionary reason why we need to be in a yeah. tribe. Anyway. So but if you fine. can build a, build a tribe around gravity, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, that's probably a good idea, right? And so how do you find people uh, that, that have done to the journey of falling down, falling down the rabbit hole like you have, which is not easy to do because, you know, most people don't go to meet up, conference, very expensive. And then even then, if you go to a conference or a meetup, everybody's in Bitcoin. What are you going to say? Oh, I'm in Bitcoin? Okay, me too. Like, you know, everybody's competing from the same attention when you go to a meetup or a conference. And, and so even if there's a thousand people, you, how many people are you going to meet? 10, 5, 15? So, yeah, so the idea of Warren's fill up is to kind of build a social layer of Bitcoin that works anywhere and anytime. It's, it's in your pocket, right? It's in your pocket. So that's how, you know, that's how you meet people like you that are in Bitcoin. That's how we build the local communities, which should uh, speed up hyper-Bitcoinization. That's how we build the Bitcoin circular economy, right? Because the example that I always say to investors or people that I talk to, look, if you're a dentist and you're also a Bitcoin maxi, you're not going to make a website that says, hey, I'm a Bitcoin maxi dentist. Nobody's going to do that. But you will download the app and you make an account and you pay $5 a month or $3, whatever it may be, so that you can advertise your services to other Bitcoiners. And now I can find the dentist and I can pay in sats. Yeah, it's beautiful. And to that, I would... Speaking about the app, now, now that we're finally arrived at the talking about the app, <laughs> they, uh, I think the the question that is on a lot of people's minds, and we, we've talked about this before, and um, what they don't get about this is that the app does not give out, give any exact location to any third party. That's not how the app works. So can, can you, no. uh, can you uh, t- give us a brief walkthrough through the privacy Absolutely. aspects of the app? Absolutely. Um, and the, yeah, so, so obviously, you know, we're Bitcoin Massey, so we're, we're very privacy focused. As a matter of fact, I personally never used my real name online before Bitcoin. Sorry, before I started this company. 
I always said, uh, I always been a very privacy focused kind of person because I always kind of saw that the internet is going to be used in ways that are not going to be uh, ethical, obviously cancel culture and all that kind of stuff. So privacy is obviously a big, big focus of the app. So we really don't ask you for anything except that you have an email account that you can just make one up that is completely detached from anything else. So you can make an email account. You can use any name you want in the app. We don't verify anything. We don't, obviously, we don't do KYC. We don't sell anything. The geolocation, which, yeah, some people don't like that. But so the, the way it works is this. The geolocation is approximate. So uh, thankfully, uh, Google and Apple find out that you don't need the precise geolocation unless you need to deliver pizza. So the geolocation that now they allow developers to use is called approximate. There is a 10 miles radius. So you can be anywhere in a 10 miles radius. But if I know that you're in that 10 miles block, I know roughly where you are. And that means I can show you people that are roughly close to you. Because obviously, you know, if I'm 10 miles from you or 15 or 20, it's irrelevant. The point is that we're close enough that we could meet today if we wanted to. So everything is approximate and everything is rounded up. So in the app, you if this is an opt-in, opt-out uh, kind of feature, but you can see the distance from somebody else. And that distance is always rounded up. So if I see that uh, Knut is five miles from me, it doesn't mean it's literally five miles from me. It means it's somewhere around five miles. But... I will give you a challenge, Knut. You're a smart guy, and let's do this uh, thought experiment. Just to just to prove the point, how irrelevant the geolocation really is. So let's say that I tell you exactly to the centimeter how far I am from you right now. Well, let's say we're in this where we're not different side of the planet, right? Let's say we're, I'm nine miles, or that's two kilometers, I'm nine kilometers and 323 meters from you, okay? I give you my exact distance from you, yeah. now. And also, I will tell you, if you find me, I will give you 10 Bitcoin, okay? Yeah, that's now, quite a... So it's good, it's good, right? Good enough. Now, how would you find me? Uh, I, I would consider myself in the middle of that circle. I would put myself, uh, walk that distance uh, in some yeah. direction and then follow a, a, a circle to okay. find you. So, so it's a 360 circle. Yeah, it's a circle with, you gave me the radius. <laughs> Yes. And uh, so I, I will, uh, I will take a promenade through the, the cir circumference of the circle to try to find you there somewhere there. Okay, so the circle, so so the, the radius is nine point whatever kilometers. So yeah. Now the, you, what, so now what you gotta do? You gotta go to nine kilometers from you, and then you have to go three hundred and sixty all around. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take you. Days. Yeah, I, I would 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 have to walk three point one four one five. I can only do that the the, the fifteen digits of pi in Swedish. 
3.5926535897793 because I memorized it. But but uh, times whatever radius you gave me, that's the distance right. I'll have to walk. And okay. there's probably there there yeah. probably be no road because no road is precisely circular, especially not the roads that have me in the middle of the circle. I'm not right. aware of a circular road. Uh, you know, anywhere close to where I am. So yeah, it it'll be tricky. And but then what, the... you gotta you gotta you gotta knock on every single house that is in this path. Hey, yeah, and how do I know that you haven't moved? <laughs> well, that's that's yeah, but but even yeah, that's assuming. So so this is how difficult to find somebody, yeah. even if you know the exact distance. Well, now, if I have a drone. I'm going to make this life hard for you here. But if I have a drone, <laughs> sure. I could program it to go in the exact circle. That's true. That's yes. a good point. That's and, a, that's you know, good, just mow everyone down. <laughs> that's probably the best. Yeah, that's probably the, the best thing you could do. But of course, the drone doesn't fly for more than 30 minutes. And then you have to land it and recharge it. But, uh, yeah, um, it's a hassle. But even then, I have to be outside my house to find for you to find me. Yeah. Right, Unless I have an X-ray sort of drone camera. No, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you've made the point. It's getting ridiculous. So you're right now. You made, you so made your it's point. It's quite hard, right? It's quite hard. Now, I am not giving you my exact location. I'm giving you the approximate, not location, distance, which is rounded up. That even I don't know how much we, it's random. We, so we made it random on purpose that even I couldn't find it if I wanted to. So in the app, you can only see 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. In reality, it's probably 22.3. But I wouldn't know if I wanted to. And then, of course, what if I'm moving? What if, what if I am moving while... Or what if when I, when I check with you... I am at the, on the train, right? you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, and I'm moving. So the, and that, yeah. So the geolocation is basically just to see if there are other, uh, other Bitcoiners in the town you live in. Yeah. And I the mean, the town oh, well, the in, in, yeah. Or the region or in the vicinity of wherever you find yourself. Right. And, uh, but t to actually meet them, you have right. to voluntarily, you know, arrange a, a meeting exactly. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So that's the beauty. Yeah, the beauty is this: that unlike a meetup or a conference, where you have to go first, show your face, sit down at a table with strangers, say, "Hi, I'm Newt. Uh, are you in Bitcoin? Yes, me too. Okay, great." You know, it could be it could get awkward, right? Like we've all been there. If you've been to a meetup. Yeah, um, and then you have to drive, and maybe you're working, maybe it's raining, maybe your your wife has to be, you know, it's not scalable, right? Now, with this app, you initiate the connection, or somebody else can initiate the connection, So, and uh, you can only send one message, so there's no spam, or like send 100 messages, that, hey, I'm Newt, I see you're nearby, let's go for a drink, whatever. Then I receive the message, and I decide... I check your profile and, and you know this and that, and I decide if I want to reply to you. And if I do, then we can chat for months before we meet. You know, there is yeah. no rush. It's it's 
is completely spontaneous. There is no a set date and time, like a meetup, where you have to go or, or else. It's one-on-one, -on -one, it's spontaneous, it's private, because you, know, you don't have to use your name and your picture, you can, you know. And then when you and I feel confident or comfortable, or if there is an energy there, yeah, you know, this is a great guy, which by the way, if you're in Bitcoin, it's almost always the case, right? Then we decide, okay, are you free tomorrow? Yeah, great. Let's go to this place and, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, have fun or let's do this or let's do that. So it's very, uh, first of all, it's scalable because you can use this app anywhere on planet Earth. You don't need to go to a meetup. You don't need to go to a conference. You take this app out, the app will tell you, oh, Knut is nearby. Talk to him. I mean, contact if you want to, right? So, um, and then the other piece of the equation is the, which is, so the geolocation is the biggest, well, it's not the biggest, it's, it's one of the, the um, complaints, let's put it that way, which I, hopefully I, I, I demonstrate how silly it is. But anyway, and by the way, just to close that chapter, the distance that I tell the other users, you can disable if you want. You don't have to show it. So the app would just show that I'm nearby without telling how far approximately I am from you. The other piece is the price, which I think it's, it could get quite philosophical because, you know, proof of work, proof of stake. So the app is membership-based, meaning if you do not pay, you do not, you cannot contact people in the app. So one, one easy way to understand it is this is kind of like a private club for Bitcoiners. Can yeah. you still use the app and see what Bitcoiners are in your vicinity, but just not use the chat function? Or can't you use the, the, the app at all? So as of today, we no, but we're actually building a guest mode for that exact uh, scenario. So if you don't want to pay because you're not sure that got the gummy people nearby, which is fair enough, because obviously, you know, we just launch, uh, you know, it takes time. And also we're global. So, you know, we have users from like 42 countries, which is amazing. So of course, you know, there's always the first guy, right? There's always the first guy, no matter what, somewhere. So we got to build the guest mode where you don't have to pay to get to the homepage. But if you want to chat with people, then you have to get a membership. Now, the membership achieved a couple of things. First, uh, you know, building an app is expensive and, you know, spending 24-7 means, you know, obviously everybody's got pills to pay. But secondly, having the membership allows us to not do advertising, which means I don't really care where you are when you're not using the app. So the geolocation point, right? If I was doing advertising, I will need to track you when you're not using the app. Because I need to know you just went to Starbucks. So then I can sell your data point to Starbucks or competitors. So we don't do any of that because we don't do advertising. So the geolocation is only pulled when you open the app so that you can see nearby Bitcoiners. And that's the end of it. When you know on the app, we don't care where you are because we don't do advertising. So the membership achieved that. Also, the membership uh, is a way that uh, we filter out the noise. Because obviously, you know, there's cameras around, there are spammers and bots and NFT and people that are not really into Bitcoin. So how do we 
make sure that people that use this app, that then ideally you would go and meet in the real life, are actually in Bitcoin, right? Because otherwise, what's the point of having this app to begin with? So the way we achieve that is to put a filter at the entrance. Again, private club. Pay, which is not a lot, by the way, it's $2.99 a month. And we just launched, uh, actually, we just launched the Lightning Network payment, so you can pay in SATs, which means you don't even need a credit card or a bank account. So anybody can really join. But the point being, by putting the filter, we increase the signal and we decrease the noise. Because, of course, if you're paying to use the app, it's more likely that you're actually going to use the app and you're actually going to reply to the messages and you're actually going to meet somebody. Because otherwise, why are you paying for the app, right? There's no need. So the, so the price, I, I compare it to proof of work, is the same exact concept of proof of work. Who gets to decide which transaction? Well, obviously, there's the nose, but you know, the, the miners, right? They validate the nose, blah, blah, blah. One, so because if you don't pay, you are in a proof of stake system, technically speaking. When you're using Facebook and you don't pay, you are the yield of Mark Super. Because it takes your activity on Facebook and monetizes it for its own benefit. And the more you use Facebook, the more he makes. Because same cost of proof of stake, right? The more coins you have stake, the more yield you're going to get. Right? On the proof of work, you have to work. So I have to, I am the proof of work blockchain of uh, let's say social media, right? So once you pay to get in, I don't make more money if you send one message or a hundred or a thousand, or if you go out one time or three times or a hundred times. I get, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have any incentive to manipulate you, the way Facebook does and Twitter and Instagram, to be on the app twenty four seven, right? All this, uh, you know, all these uh, psychological ads that they keep you on the app because. It's a proof of stake system, and you need to be like the like the the hamster in the spinning wheel, right? You need to be on Facebook, 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 so that Mark Super can make more money. So obviously, I don't like that, and I believe that in a in a in a Bitcoin world, this system would not exist. This is a fiat world symptom. All this free stuff. It's, it's absolutely uh, and a consequence of the fiat world where debt is cheap, so I can raise $10 million and I, can, and I don't have to charge you, but then I will see your data. And then your data is going to get leaked and hacked. And so bad people are going to have your email and your password and your profile picture and all that kind of stuff. This is a fiat world. This is one of the many ripples of the fiat world. So obviously... As a Bitcoin maxi, I don't. I want to get away as fast as possible from that system. So you know, yeah, no. what you used, yeah, it, it's Austrian economics. Why wouldn't you pay when you go to buy a piece of bread? The, the baker yeah. doesn't say the bread is free. But no. when you go through the door, I have a camera and I look what you're wearing, and now I'm selling the, the thing you pay. The problem is that in, in the fiat world, people are allowed to. To say that things are free when they're not free, and the same Nothing is, is free. 
the same goes for for uh, whenever something is paid by the government it's advertised as being free when in reality yeah. it's a bit more expensive because it didn't have the free market competition setting the oh, price yeah. so so uh, so yeah it's the same problem there the the thing i mean you say you're in 42 countries already and the network is growing obviously yeah but what but how how do you see this playing out? Can can you really achieve the network effects of the of the big social networks? So obviously you cannot reach the same level as Twitter because Twitter is not only for Bitcoiners; it's for right. everyone. Yeah. So and and how are, gonna, how are you gonna how are you gonna stop users from just using the guest mode and then reaching out to people on another social media app? I mean that's a bit of a hassle, but. Sure. But then again, they don't have to pay $3 for it. So, yeah. Right. So I would say, and I hope it doesn't come out bad, but if you are the kind of person that download the app, get the guest mode, then to save $3, you probably shouldn't be in the app. You then fuck you. <laughs> no, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually happy that you're not in the app. Yeah. Uh, this is not to sound. Yeah, yeah that, that's a very good point. That's a very good point because this is it's not to a, sound elitist or anything like that. No, but it but just to me it's makes a high perfect signal sense. noise. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You don't want those people in the app. You want quality people in the app. And if a paywall is, it's not really a paywall. It's a subscription model. Yeah, but it but it really does filter out the noise. And and yeah, I think there's definitely a market for that. So. Uh, to answer your question, right? How do we uh, how do we become uh, a big uh, platform, right? Obviously, a couple of things. First of all, I so we launched on the 9th of November at Pacific Bitcoin, and uh, as of today of recording, which is uh, December third, we have 500 users, give or take, uh, which is quite a lot, considering that every user is a paying user. Every single one is paying. And actually, a funny story, you know the story about, you know, because you're part of the, the, the team, but the original membership was one lantern a month. And then I found out that some users would pay the one lantern a month and then would spam everybody else, would send the same message to everybody else. And obviously, you're ruining the experience for everybody else, right? So I had to increase prices so that to, disin to disincentivize people like that from joining the app altogether. So, so what what so what I what I'm doing with this is this, right? We're going after quality before quantity. If you meet somebody in real life that you didn't know and you're putting Bitcoin and then most likely you're going to become friends is worth way more than $2. Way more, right? Now, if I, if I can create all these connections all around the world, then, then it, ju it just follows that people are going to talk about this app. Hey, I met this guy from the app. Now we're best friend. Now we're girlfriend, boyfriend, or now we start this big couple, right? So, the example that I always give is this. Apple did not become the biggest uh, seller of smartphones because it had a cheap, low-quality smartphone. 
they made the best possible model they could make, and then everybody wanted that thing. So if we can if we can connect people in real life through Bitcoin, they, people are just going to use it, and people are just going to tell people to use the app because obviously it's in their incentive. And I've seen it already in like in a month that people that. There are people that do things that I would never expect. There are people that pay the membership and they don't even have the app because they don't have Android. They have an Android. They want to support the, the 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 philosophy of the app, the the concept of the app. People are paying double membership. People are are, are going to podcasts to talk about Orange Pill app. They're not even part of the, like it's it's mind blowing. This is not even one month, right? Because I think instinctively people understand that. Yeah. If you believe that Bitcoin obviously is not an investment or a technology, right? It's a movement. It's an ideology. It's a it's a revolution. You do not change the world from the couch of your of your from the comfort of your house. You need to go out in the real world and make alliances and protests and, and this and that. And and so the social layer of Bitcoin, if Bitcoin becomes if we are actually going to be in a, a Bitcoin standard world, you need to have the social layer. There's, you know, there's no other way around, right? And so I think people instinctively understand that there needs to be an easy way for us Bitcoiners to meet in real life. And so they want to support this project, even if they can't even use the app, or even if they don't have anybody in the... In the I have people, obviously, there's one guy in Brazil. That's the first guy in Brazil. There's nobody else in Brazil. There's one guy in Colombia. There's one guy in Taiwan. They don't, they're not going to, I mean, as of today, they're not going to meet anybody else, but they're supporting the project. They're supporting the mission. They understand how important it is to be the social layer of Bitcoin. And the other thing that I realized that I found out is that people, even if they cannot meet people nearby, because obviously, you know, we're still growing, uh, I mean, we just started. They appreciate that there is a place where you can talk to the Bitcoiners, and you know they're Bitcoiners because they act, they pay for the app, they pay for a brand new app, right? And they just talk to between themselves. It's kind of like tweet, Bitcoin Twitter, but the real one, you know, because everybody's paying to use it, and it's heavily market for Bitcoin. There is no, you know, there is no Twitter Blue and NFT logo, blah blah blah. So, yeah. So, so, so I, I really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked in a way by the response from the plebs and the the way they have embraced this project uh, way more than what I anticipated. I mean, in my head, it always made sense that you want to meet people like you. That's it's obvious. But the way the plebs have, have, have helped the project and helped me with ideas and this and that. It kind of made me realize that, you know, obviously, you know, stay humble and stack sets. Actually, stay humble and stack friends. But this is this could be quite, uh, you know, quite a big piece of hyper-Bitcoinization, right? How do you find people that you can do commerce in real life, locally, in sets? How do you start this? How do you start this Bitcoin circular economy? If you cannot find a merchant that you can pay in sets, you can't. Like I can buy your book. I know I can buy your book in sets, 
through consensus network, that's great, but this is digital, right? But imagine when you know there's a dentist and the plumber and the farmer, and yeah. you do everything in SaaS. How beautiful is that? Yeah, and that's 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 just one part. You know, using Bitcoin for monetary transactions is just one small part of what you can actually do once once you meet other Bitcoiners. It's it's pure, you know, powder keg meat spark. That's that's what right. that's what happens when when Bitcoiners meet in in real life. So so I think yeah, I think this this app is going to add immense value to to the Bitcoin network uh, as a whole because of this. Uh, you know, connect. It's all about connecting people. Money is about connecting people. It's about interactions, voluntary consensual interactions between human beings. And w- what could be more, more beautiful than that? That's the best thing we have. So, yeah. I'm so I'm just making it easy. I'm just making it easy. That's all. Yeah, I'm just, and, I'm just uh, making it as easy as possible. Yeah, and we appreciate it a lot. We're coming up on two hours soon here, so I I think we should round this off. Uh, it's been a, a fascinating conversation, Matteo, and thank you very much for sharing your story and and uh, and the uh, the stuff about the shitcoinery, especially. Because that's yeah. not not everyone would do that. But then again, I guess uh, <laughs> Bitcoin, you know, incentivizes honesty. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so and and uh, once you open up to the world and you you say to it, "Here I am. This is this is me. I'm I'm a human human being. I'm flawed just as everyone else, but I have some some good." stuff going to with just as everyone else so uh, this is what i have to offer then your life becomes instantly better so so thank you for all of that when is the android version coming out there you go when, when very good what? question no i i i absolutely we're pushing it as hard as we can on uh, launching android because 50 uh, percent of the plebs are on android january january uh for sure, January, hopefully early January, but if not... Let's say Q1. <laughs> uh, Q1 is very big, January. I like uh, I like to give myself deadline because that's, that's usually helpful. That's nice because I think that uh, a lot of Bitcoiners might move to Android phones now at that Apple is allegedly removing Twitter from their app store. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and if Probably. they can remove Twitter, they can remove Orange Pill app. So yeah, most likely. Uh, yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens uh, in the future. I'm not calling any anyone a winner or a loser in this. Looking forward to to seeing the Android release as well, and uh, looking forward to using the the iPhone a bit more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you have an Android uh, note, uh, so but you've seen it. You've seen the app. Uh, I have both now. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a, you're a double agent. Yeah, I'm a double agent. You're a double agent. Yeah, yeah. No, Android. It's very. I cannot wait to enjoy it because obviously it would pretty much double the user base overnight. Yeah. Which means that the, the the likelihood that you're gonna have somebody nearby to meet, they just double up. So, the more the people we can get on board, which is why we just launch. Uh, the Latin network payments, same idea, because some people have told me, hey, I love your idea, I want to be on the app, but I don't want to pay with fiat. 
which you know yeah. makes perfect sense. Makes perfect and, sense. And so you know, so we we just launched Lion Network payments. So you can get a membership through the Lion Network, which, by the way, from a business standpoint, is a billion times better than going through Apple. The first takes three percent commission, which is yeah, yeah. mind blowing. And if that's not enough, they don't pay you out for forty five days. And why would they do that? Because Fiat World, you get paid interest yeah, yeah. every day. Yeah. You keep the money in the bank. So now think about how much slower the economy is going. Because I cannot hire people or pay people to do stuff until forty-five days. Yeah, it's it's just sad. Oh, right? Yeah. So uh, another thing, you, you're collaborating with BitC Map. Also, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so BTC Map have uh, finally cracked the code for uh, Bitcoin merchants. So they have a huge database of Bitcoin merchants, and uh, we have partnered with them. So we're gonna use their API. And so this one, I could say, due to twenty twenty three. So at some point in twenty twenty three, you're gonna be able to from the app. Where you really do all this stuff, where you, where you find all your friends and girlfriends and boyfriends and blah blah blah. Uh, there's gonna be a map where you can see the merchants nearby, which obviously they know uh, again, Bitcoin circular economy, spend sats. So all through the app. So to close up, the idea of Orange Fill Up is that if something is physical and it is related to Bitcoin, whether it's an event or a friendship. Or a business, or a merchant, is gonna be into Orange Pill Up. So everything that is physical related to Bitcoin will be in one place that you can easily find whenever you go, whatever you go on planet Earth. Yeah, that sounds sounds like a great app, and it, it already is, and it's getting better all the time. So um, yeah, and uh, finally, uh, finally, I'd like to promote Free Madeira again. Uh, because if you go to the island of Madeira, you will find a bunch of Orange Pill app users there. So you can you can already use right. the app and find quite a lot of stuff there. Absolutely. So so yeah, yeah. Madeira should be Madeira should be a huge. Uh, first of all, I'm very excited uh, what you guys are building down there. Thank you. I can't wait to visit. Um, I will probably visit next summer because you know I'm from Italy mm-hmm. and I like swimming. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, but that should be a great uh, initiative, and uh, we hope we can help you guys spreading yeah. and building connections faster than if you didn't have the app and you have to do meetups or email, whatever you guys doing. Yeah, so we're we're working on uh, several fronts here, uh, collaborating in all sorts of ways, and it's it's a great journey to be a part of for sure. Matteo, where can people find you, and where can people find the Orange Pill app? Sure. So Twitter, Orange Pill Up, just Orange Pill Up. Online, uh, the main domain is theorangepillup.com. So Twitter, Instagram, at Orange Pill Up. The website is theorangepillup.com. And obviously the app is called the Orange Pill Up. Uh, sorry, the app is called Orange Pill Up. 
Fantastic. And uh, did you want to share your Twitter handle or uh, is that more uh, you, you keep that? Uh, yeah, I, have, I still have my Twitter handle from my uh, anonymous base, which is at Ryan the Long Prayer. So Ryan, R-Y-A-N-D-E-L-O-N-G-P-R-E. Okay, perfect. And now doxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, but so, on, only to people who, who manage to listen to you for two hours, so it yeah, should be okay. That's, that's <laughs> a good feel. It's almost like paying to use the app, right? Exactly. exactly. You had to pay with the time and attention for two hours. There you go. Perfect. And, uh, well, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, really excited to see uh, the app in use. I'm waiting for the Android version personally, but... Uh, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing where this goes, all the great ideas. Uh, sounds like a great addition to the Bitcoin space. So thanks again for coming to tell us about it and uh, to tell us about your story. Thank you, Luke. Uh, thank you, Nuno. It was a great pleasure to spend two hours with you. Now I'm going to buy a Christmas tree and it's going to be a great day. Thank you, Matteo. Talk to you soon again. All right. Bye. Take thank care. you, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. And now just to wrap up, thanks again for listening or watching to the Freedom Footprint show. Just a reminder, if you'd like to support the show, the best way you can do that is on value for value apps such as Fountain or Breeze. You can stream us some sats or send us a boost if, uh, if you are getting value for your time on this. And uh, the other way you can do that is by sharing the show on social media, subscribing to the Consensus Network YouTube channel. Those are all great ways you can help support the show and we appreciate it. And the other thing you can do is you can go to knutsvonholm.com for all of his uh, merchandise. He's wearing the Everything Divided by 21 Million shirt right now, plus all of his books and everything else. Knut, this has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Live long and prosper.